if you ever had cold water inside your ear, you get chill bumps or warm water inside your ear, you relax. That's actually a reflex due to the vagus nerve. Um, and the vagus inner, the vagus and the trigeminal nerve, two major cranial nerves innervate the inside of your ear. It's called the external acoustic meatus, which is the outer ear canal. Um, and so we decided to focus on really developing neuromodulation devices that would work just like regular headphones. This is Meredith for Real, the curious introvert, and I'm Meredith. I explore the questions people think but don't ask out loud, either because they're taboo or thanks to cultural hypnosis. My mission, and yours if you choose to accept it, is to inspire curiosity by exploring the nuance and paradox of our world. Each episode is different, so bring your ADD and your earbuds and have a look around. Hey, Curiositors, it's me, Meredith. Let's face it, everyone is stressed, but no one really has time to research new ways to not be stressed. Thankfully, my curiosity often leads me down the path of wellness resources, and this one is actually techie. It turns out the vagus nerve stimulators are being used to treat things like Crohn's disease, chronic headaches, depression, Parkinson's, PTSD, ADHD, and even staying calm at the dentist. I had no idea. If you've never heard of the vagus nerve, don't worry. My guest breaks it down. He also shares about the cool earbuds that can help us all chill out that could possibly be available to the public by the end of 2023 and how we can all tell our vagus nerve, hey, the party is over, even without any techie help. This is a guest that actually came to me, which isn't that common. If you're wondering where I find guests like these, I get asked that a lot, actually. And the source is so different for each guest that I started to put the source of each guest in my Monday email, along with the regular info for the new episode. On Saturday, I also send out a Cliff Notes and Clickable Links email in case what you heard was so good, you wish you could have taken notes or you want to check out a resource that the guest mentioned. If you're not getting those and you want to be included, you can text REAL to 66866 if you're in the U.S. or go to MeredithForReal.com if you're elsewhere. And huge thanks to you if you're one of my amazing loyal listeners. Although I can't see your faces, my reports tell me where you're listening from and it makes me so happy to see my little world map just light up. And if you're new here, welcome. Around here, we press play to get curious, to disrupt the algorithm, and to grow into better humans. We talk about everything from cannibalism to cannabis, so bring your ADD and your earbuds and have a look around. There's no specific order to listen to episodes, and if you end up liking this episode, you'll also like the one about breathwork to de-stress, but for the non-hippie, it's episode 61. All right, enjoy the show. You've heard what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But when it comes to your Vegas nerve, it's everybody's business. Turns out the nerve with the fun time name has a lot to do with chronic stress and the fight or flight state that makes you fatigued, vulnerable to disease, and lash out in traffic. My next guest is a professor of biomedical engineering at University of Alabama at Birmingham and the co-founder of IST, a neurotech company that develops non-invasive human performance enhancement technology. He and his team have biohacking stress solutions small enough to fit in your ear. They're brain buds, vagus nerve stimulators the size of your wireless earbuds that allow you to come down from your habitually frazzled state 
to finally experience some relief. Today, he's going to share why the vagus nerve party is so hard, why it's critical to downregulate, and some cutting-edge solutions to level up by leveling out. Creative academic, innovating entrepreneur, Vegas nerd, Dr. Jamie Tyler. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Meredith. It's nice to see you. Yeah, you too. I find the creative use of technology, especially for problem solving, it's just so fascinating. So I'd love to kick things off by talking about, I don't know, I guess the the consequences of chronic stress. Because a lot of us don't argue the fact that we're stressed out, but we kind of just feel like we need to, you know, do more things or be tougher. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, stress is one of those things that, um, you, it's, it's essential to life, right? Like you need, we call it you stress. Um, you stress is positive stress. It's good stress. You know, like what wakes you up in the morning, what motivates you to go to work, what motivates you to like seek out relaxation. Um, but what happens is throughout the day is if you don't get that time to relax and you continuously build up stress at day over day, it leads to chronic inflammation. It starts to break down various parts of the body. Uh, it causes dysfunction in the way that the brain communicates with uh, other parts of the body and the brain itself. So um, day in and day out, you need to have a way to break from that that stress so you, you avoid chronic stress. Does it have an impact on your like your metabolic health? Is it... Is it that much of an overall um, indicator? It, it, it does, you know. So when we talk about stress, uh, there's you know there's psychophysiological stress, there's physiological physiological stress, and biochemical stress. Um, the biochemical stress, you know, it's driven by uh, some hormones people may be familiar with, like cortisol. And so cortisol is a it's a hormone, it's a circulating hormone in your body, right? And so what it does is over time it starts to degrade all the pathways that allow you to engage in optimal metabolic activity. So what is the vagus nerve and what's its role in that chronic stress? Yeah, so the vagus nerve stands for uh vagus comes from um the Latin word wanderer or the wandering nerve, right? So that's why it's known as the the vagus, it wanders from your head basically through about midway through your small intestines. Um, and it really uh, provides an information pathway to carry signals to the brain about everything that's happening from your gut all the way up to your head and neck, right? Um, and one of the first areas that the, the vagus nerve provides inputs to in the brain and the brainstem, it's a, it's a, we call it the reptilian part of the brain. It's a old evolutionary old part of the brain known as the locus ceruleus and the locus ceruleus is responsible for uh the fight or flight response so it's responsible for the ascending we call ascending arousal kind of the wake up signal so that was Um, like when our ancestors were getting chased by dinosaurs that told us like hey man get up move exactly exactly or sometimes you you may hear like people have that that intuitive sense in their gut like they like i have this feeling in my stomach that's mediated largely by the vagus nerve. So we recently found in, in neuroscience that the vagus nerve connects the gut to the brain, right? And so it's a, a lot of inflammation from what you eat, your diet, those types of things can also have an impact on your brain, your brain health, mediated by the signaling of the vagus nerve. That is so fascinating. You hear about people that have, um, you know, what, I don't know, I hate how science kind of bifurcates it like you have a mood disorder you have a physical disorder but people with mood disorders like depression often have um, 
intestinal problems like IBS or Crohn's. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's the, 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 we're now starting to look at um, mood disorders and mental health disorders um, more holistically. It used to be thought that like, oh, this is something, it's a brain dysfunction. And really what we're learning now is it's a whole body dysfunction. Um, And so inflammation in your gut, uh, either from IBS or Crohn's disease or others, can actually cause some of the um, the disordered thought processes that lead to mood disorders, right? What I mean by disordered thought process, like persevering or, or anguishing over something that's going to happen in the future or something that's happened in the past. Right. The obsession. The obsession. Yeah, that's that's really what it is, right? That inflammation. It's like a fever in your brain. If you can, you know, you think about it that way. It's like you have a small fever in a part of your brain that's responsible for regulating mood. And, you know, it's, it's, it should be of no surprise that it's not, uh, not like operating optimally. So, you know, we all, all, everyone's looking for like the magic bullet for mental health solutions. Um, and I love that, you know, what you're saying is the overall approach to mental health is no longer like, oh, this is just in your brain. It's kind of more holistic, but is, is the vagus nerve in a way the, you know, the source of if we can, if we can help the vagus nerve, we can help everything. Yeah, it's one of them, right? Um, I think there's many different ways to help a lot. Uh, the vagus just turns out to be one of those. In fact, there's you mentioned Crohn's disease earlier. People are actually looking at stimulating the vagus nerve or branches of the vagus nerve to treat Crohn's disease with implanted vagus nerve stimulators. You can use vagus nerve stimulation to treat headache, to treat depression, and others. I think it really is a um because it mediates such signaling between your gut and your brain, that's a large, more than half your body probably. Uh, that's the reason the vagus is special. But other peripheral nerves could do the same type of thing, right? Like with the trigeminal nerve is another cranial nerve, different peripheral nerves in your wrist. Um, you may have run across acupuncture, right? There is real scientific basis to acupuncture and being able to relieve stress. Um, it tends to be that it's it, it, it seems like it's just sensory overload, right? Like decreasing a lot of the sensory inputs from your body, whether it's from your gut or your, you know, like your knee that's hurting or your lower back that's hurting your head. Um, that's really the key. So it's not just the vagus, but the vagus does, I mean, again, it mediates, it it plays a role in signaling in more than half your body probably. Well, excuse me. That's interesting that you mentioned that it's a little bit of, um, you know, stimulation overload because that's what, uh, someone else that I talked to calls, um, the modern human condition, <laughs> which is so is. sad, but true. And then I've read in another place that it's referred to as, I think it's called evolution, mismatch evolution theory, evolution mismatch theory. Have you heard of that? I haven't heard of that one. I yeah. mean, it makes sense though, yeah. right? Like we're not, we're, we're, like we're, our down is no longer down. Our down is like just barely off, right? It used to be that, you know, you, you, like, let's go back to the example of a dinosaur chasing you from the cave, right? What really dictates how, how humans perform and how they deal with stress is their ability to go up when you need to go up or increase like physiological arousal and then be able to come back down quickly. What happens is people go up and they never come back down, right? So they go up and they go to their phone and they're on social media and they're getting all this like sensory activation from social media, but it's not really coming back down to baseline. You're still activated being stressed, right? Like those are 
whether it's good stress or bad stress, they're still stressors. And there's no dinosaurs chasing you. It's just no. <laughs> it's just the yeah. Karen on Facebook being annoying. Exactly, but it's the same. Your body doesn't know the difference, right? Like it, it the, your body's reaction is the same as if a dinosaur were chasing you. Unfortunately. So, talk to me about brain buds. What inspired the, that development? Was it something that you invented, or was it something that you were asked to create to solve a problem? Yeah, so um, it's a little bit of both. Uh, so, I've been working on uh, non-invasive neuromodulation for more than a decade. Um, and I've had several companies in the space. Um, we launched one of the, one of my old companies, we launched one of the first direct to consumer neuromodulation products, um, and struggled with marketing and, you know, because it's new, <clears throat> it's a new technology. You're be, you're asking someone to wear a device on their head or face. Um, it, 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 it's foreign, right? Like it's, it's, it's hard for people to understand how it might fit into their lives. So, <clears throat> And looking at the human kind of use factors, what really drove adoption was being able to use something really easily. And so we switched focus uh, probably about seven years ago to developing earbuds that would just go in your ears. Uh, and you're in the inside of you. If you ever had cold water inside your ear, you get chill bumps or warm water inside your ear, you relax. That's actually a reflex due to the vagus nerve. Um and the vagus, inter- the vagus and the trigeminal nerve, two major cranial nerves, innervate the inside of your ear. It's called the external acoustic meatus, which is the outer ear canal. Um, and so we decided to focus on really developing neuromodulation devices that would work just like regular headphones, right? So, um, how, because how, then it's, it's it's not it's not crazy or unfamiliar, right? It doesn't look like a space headband. So that's helpful. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but how do they work? Are they exactly. are they using um, like a tonal frequency? You mentioned the cold. Are they creating a cold sensation in your ear? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so they work very similar to you may have seen them. They're called TENS devices. T-E-N-S. It, TENS stands for transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation. Um, and you can buy them in Walgreens or CVS, the drugstore. And it's an electrical stimulation device that's designed to, to prevent, to treat pain, right? And so brain buds and the transcutaneous auricular vagus nerve stimulation devices we've built uh, work the same way. They deliver weak electrical currents to the ears. And so it feels like a kind of a, tink, a tickling sensation inside your ears. Um, it's not, it's, so when you look at the devices that you can buy to treat pain, they put out 100 milliamps of current and we, we max our current maxes out around five milliamps. So we're about one twentieth of what, what you go buy on the shelf and that makes it comfortable and safe. Is there anyone that can't use these devices? You know, there are, um, people who have, um, it's called neurocardiogenic syncope or vasovagal syncope. It's um, if you've ever fainted when you give blood or when you get scared, some people will faint. Those people are contraindicated um, because you're stimulating the vagus. And what happens is there's a change in the heart rate and then they can't compensate with the change in blood pressure. They pass out. Other than that, people who ha- don't have medical, as long as you don't have medical devices, most people can use it. Um, we found that, you know, they're, they're pretty, pretty effective and, and, and safe as well. 
Well, that's disappointing, Dr. Jamie, because <laughs> I definitely have the habit of fainting while giving blood, but I can overcome it. Like I have to meditate and smoke some weed and hold ice in the opposite hand from which I'm giving blood. So I don't know. I, I'm not like going to rule myself out yet, but, <laughs> but I digress. You might not. I mean, we usually... We usually have people sit down, right? Because the, the number one concern is if you fall and hit your head, if you faint, right? Yeah. Like Fainting is not really that – it's not pleasurable. It's, it's it's more uncomfortable for people who see it happen than actually the person it happens to. Right? <laughs> I know. Um, my sweet dentist, he's almost fired me a couple of times, but it's – Oh, man. <laughs> he goes – bless yeah, his heart. <laughs> it's not good. You know, that's a great – that's a – well, so that's a great example of a place where we've looked at using vagus nerve stimulation as a dentist. Um, a lot of dentists have moved away from using gas and stuff like that for anesthesia and calming patients down. And we've actually had some dentists who have used these peripheral nerve modulation devices to calm their patients down uh, prior to doing a procedure. Wow. Okay. That's really interesting. This isn't available to the public right now. So who, who is using this product? Uh, right now, it's just all for research applications. Um, <clears throat> I have a grant from the Department of Defense we're working on developing the devices to uh, help reduce stress and warfighters. And then um, we have several academic projects ongoing. We're looking at treating various disorders, Parkinson's disease. Um, we've thought about Alzheimer's disease for uh, cognitive decline and dementia. Um, <clears throat> there are some, some devices that are available for pres with a prescription to treat headache. Um, and there's other devices that have been approved recently to treat ADHD that work in a similar manner. Oh, you had me at ADHD. I'm telling you, I gotta, I gotta find a way to qualify for this stuff. This is, this is very exciting. Do you feel like you this? Know, oh, go ahead. It's, it's just stress. It's just, it's, I was just going to say, it's just stress, right? Like even ADHD to some degree is being able to deal with the sensory bombardment, right? Like in processing and ordering those stimuli. So it's, it's stress management is a key part of all of this. Hey, Curiositors, just a quick pause to show gratitude to our sponsors and give you some special deals. If you've got backyard barbecue plans for 2022, but mosquitoes are not invited, I recommend Insec. I've been using their pest control service for several years now. They have a certified mosquito identification specialist on staff. And pollinator care is always top of mind. If you live in the Florida Panhandle or the Gulf Coast of Alabama, give them a call. ENSEC.net. The UWF Historic Trust. We shoot the show at the Pensacola Museum of History. It not only houses exhibits of lesser-known Pensacola history, it's an event space, too. So if you need a unique space in downtown Pensacola for a fundraiser, networking event, or a corporate party, take a look at historicpensacola.org. And if you want to tour one of the 12 museums, get your tickets in person so you can show the agent one of my emails and get $2 off an adult ticket. Get emails by texting REAL to 66866. Now back to the show. That's such a good point. Do you feel like um, this is kind of part of or the path of human technology interfacing, like, you know, technology and biology merging to create a new hominoid? You know, I do. I far prefer this method than some of the other methods, like Elon Musk's method of implanting electrodes in the brain. Yeah. Um, you know, once they're in, they're hard to take out. I like to to 
I like the non-invasive methods because you have the choice of using it or not, right? Like, you know, when it's on, um, I do think that technology, like the, what really gets me excited is what we, we call neuroengineering, which is where you have biology, bioengineering, neuroscience, neuro, neurobiology, all merging together to create devices to help people deal with diseases. And it, look, pharma has failed miserably, right? And so I look at this as a new opportunity for ways to, to help us manage the, the, the human condition, if you will. I love that. I, I know that when people use, this is switching gears hard, but when people use psychedelics, there's a measure of integration that happens, um, meaning someone might um, sit with ayahuasca or um, psilocybin, you know, magic mushrooms, and they might do that a couple of times. And the positive effects that they experience while using those medicines integrate into their person to, you know, for lack of a better explanation, is there some potential for this technology to allow for integration without its use? Yeah, no, I think so. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, a lot of integration is built on reflection and trying to make sense of like seeing something that's really uh, profound. I like to think of like psychedelics as just a stress surge in some ways, right? Like it just stresses your body to the max. Um, and then there's this letdown afterwards and then trying to understand that period of stress is really what you're, that whole period of integration, what you're working on. I think vagus nerve stimulation has a place in integration, uh, and, and, and also in psychedelics, right? Like prior to, uh, taking a medicine, for example, decreasing stress so that you're in a good relaxed space as you enter uh, a session, um, and then on the backside, helping reinforce plasticity and, and rewire circuits um, that have been changed and modified by a psychedelic treatment. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, and I'm starting to see why you were mentioning um, Alzheimer's. Um, so if it can enhance neuroplasticity or, you know, redirect a path from trauma, man, that would be really life-changing in the mental health space. Yeah. All, I mean, Alzheimer's is a fascinating disorder and it's something where like, as the population gets older, you may not have a lot of Alzheimer's per se, but you'll have a lot of cognitive decline and dementia. Right. And I've often wondered about Alzheimer's populations, if that would be, you know, there's so much neuroplasticity that happens with psychedelics and with some other neuromodulation therapies. It's fascinating to think if you could not necessarily jumpstart their brains, but you know, refresh a couple memories, right? Like at that period towards the end of life, it'd be amazing to be able to have that experience with your family and loved ones. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So is there a chance that the brain buds would be available to the public commercially in the near future? Yeah, we're working on um, commercializing an embodiment of the brain buds. Uh, we're working with a couple different partners now. We're hoping that by next year, before the end of next year, we'll have a commercially available form uh, ready to the public. So end of next year. So the end of 2023, 2023. Yeah. That's way sooner than we're I working thought. on. Yeah. We're working on it. We've been working on it for a long time and it just comes down to a lot of decision points, right? Like it's, you know, you're running a small business and, and, um, deciding which partners you want to work with. Uh, and the marketing really is one of the big things because the marketing costs are so high. Um, just helping people understand that it works and how it works, educating the public, right? Like 
that will help decrease some of the marketing costs, making people more familiar with it. People have got excited about the brain, you know, so. Well, I think people are excited about um, relief and a better way of life. And definitely I've observed in my you know, Facebook feed will say, uh, it's the modern way to observe one's friends, I guess, is more and more people taking personal responsibility for their state, whether that's their mental health or physical health, a combo of the, of both of those, and just looking for solutions um, in a more active way and less of a passive way. And so I think, at least I hope that the market would be, you know, excited to experience something like that. But in the meantime, since it's not available at the moment, can you share some ways that people can kind of make what happens in Vegas stay in Vegas, <laughs> meaning like chill out with their Vegas yeah. nerve without the use of high tech technology? Yeah, I mean, some of my favorite ways, uh, swimming is one of my favorite ways. Um, I love to swim. I work with a group uh, based in San Diego, Deep End Fitness, um, and it's all it's all based on breath holding and staying underwater. Um, and so when you go underwater, your body naturally relaxes because you have this, uh, thirst for air and, um, it's called the mammalian divers reflex. When water activates your trigeminal nerve and your nostrils, it stimulates your vagus and your heart rate slows down. And so that's one of the best natural ways to stimulate your vagus is just to hold your breath and go underwater. Is there a certain length of time that you have to do? No, uh, the longer you can do it, the, the better the benefits, right? There's a lot of benefits that are really related to CO2 tolerance and things like that, how well your body can help stress. But there's, you know, there's some other mental benefits and like, you know, oh, I can hold my breath for one minute or I can hold my breath for two minutes. But mostly the being able to deal with that stress while you're underwater, Vegas nerve stimulation helps it, right? Uh, the other thing is a hot shower, um, massaging the back of your neck. There's a lot of nerve fibers in the base of your neck. Um, that are responsible. They, they communicate with the vagus and they're responsible for causing arousal. Um, the same thing with the ears and earlobes, massaging your ears and earlobes. Uh, some people use Q-tips. I have buddies, they joke with me all the time. They're like, oh, this must be why I like to clean my ears out with Q-tips. You know, it feels so good. I'm like, yeah, well, if that's what works. Interesting. <laughs> okay, so swimming with your head underwater or just submerging your head in water and does the water have to be a certain temperature you know there's the cold therapy people that really swear by the benefits of colder temperature water cold cold water works better right so cold water definitely induces a stronger uh diver's reflex uh and so you'll see a decrease in your heart rate with cold water it's a classic textbook uh, example we do with students in school, right? We teach them about the vagus and how it controls the heart rate. Um, and submersing your face in cold water, you'll see your heart rate decrease. Um, the, the same thing with like, it sounds counterintuitive, but breathing. So deep diaphragmatic breathing also will stimulate the vagus. Uh, there's branches of uh, some of the cranial nerves that reach all the way down to the diaphragm. And so the center of the diaphragm, when you expand the diaphragm, that will cause a natural relaxation as well. Now, shallow breathing through your nose is the fight or flight response. And that's not what you, you you'll find yourself. Oh, I'm like kind of shallow breathing through my mouth and you need to slow down, breathe through your nose, stimulate the trigeminal vagus nerve and, and your body will relax. Is it true that when you're looking down, like, like people look down at their phone, that something about that head position also stimulates a fight or flight? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I haven't heard that. I know that. Or maybe it was it, shortened breathing, like I, it causes shortened breathing and that stimulates it. 
So that would that would cause a fight or flight response. And it, you know, it, there's some truth to the the opposite that if you gaze off in the distance, right at the horizon, it it kind of will start to relax your brain. Uh, you have this natural optical flow, and and it will relax your brain. So that's one way to relax is just to gaze at the horizon, um, deep breaths. And then the other thing that's kind of a small hack and trick, uh, the pause between breaths is also important for decreasing your heart rate. So like if you just breathe in and exhale, that's not quite as good as that pause really starts to engage the vagus, right? And so that's another kind of simple hack on breathing techniques. That is so fascinating. This has been such a good chat. I'm one last question before we wrap. Um, so do you have like a, a cold water therapy practice or a breath work practice yourself, or do you use the brain buds on yourself? What's your way to de-stress? Cause you are obviously a high caliber individual achieving a lot, doing a lot of research and you have a lot of spinning plates. Yeah. So I, I do use brain buds occasionally. Um, i you know, I really like deep in fitness when I get a chance to work out with the, the deep in fitness crew, it, that's, it, it really helps bring me back to baseline. Even one workout a month is like all you need. Um, that's my favorite. Other than that, I just like, you know, like we're building a small farm. So farming and being outdoors, I like to be outside in the sunshine. Me too. That's perfect. Well, tell everyone where they can keep up with your research and keep an eye out for brain buds when they become open to the public. Yeah, so you can uh, follow my lab, my academic lab at tylerlab.com. And then you can follow our company, IST, at iSenseTech, I-S-E-N-S-E-T-E-C.com. And uh, we'll have announcements there. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was great. Thank you, Meredith. I appreciate the time. And it was great to see you again. You too. Thanks for listening. If you've loved a couple episodes of the show, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the Good Pods app. And if you liked this episode, you'll also like the one about breathwork to de-stress, but for the non-hippie, it's episode 61. Stay tuned next week when I talk with a former U.S. Border Patrol agent about his haunted experiences along the Mexico border.